This is my NPR voice. Hey, this is the Cardigan, James Edwards, holding it down solo today um, on the podcast. My guy, Nicholas Hankel, um, recently moved to L.A., super proud, super happy for him, um, and he's still in the middle of getting everything sorted out with housing and getting adjusted to his new his new home, his new way of life, so his schedule is a little crazy this weekend, um, and instead of adding more to his plate, I decided, I told him I'd just do it solo. Um, so yeah, prepare for the for the next 30 minutes, quite possibly the worst podcast you've ever heard, and probably without question, um, the worst BNC episode, because one, listening to my voice for 30 minutes and my voice only is going to be a train wreck. I hate my voice, as I'm sure most of you do. Um, you hate my voice and your own voice. Uh, I really hate my voice, so I will not be listening to this episode of the podcast. And then secondly, just not having the dynamic Nick and I have. Um, that's what makes this show fun. So I'm basically just here so I don't get fined. Uh, so you guys are up to date with what's going on. And yeah, there's there's a couple things to talk about. I think the first thing, obviously the Pistons played a preseason game against the San Antonio Spurs on Wednesday, Thursday, one of those days. Um, from a media perspective, it was it was awesome to be back in the arena around fans, um, back on our courtside seat, just just being around it and being back to some type of normalcy in our work um, was fantastic. I, I think people kind of under underlooked how impacted journalists were by the pandemic. I mean. We're obviously not the athletes, and they have a busier schedule than us, but we have a pretty busy schedule because we have to be wherever they are at all times. So we went from go, go, go to no, 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 um, and it was a, a drastic change in, in lifestyle for a year and a half. So it was weird getting back in it for me personally. Um, it took a little bit to to ease back in, but I'm there now. I'm excited. I'm recording this before I take off, actually, uh, for Memphis. Pistons play the Grizzlies, well, as you're listening to this today. So, um, yeah, it's it's cool. it was cool to get back in the swing of things. As for the game, my biggest takeaways, and you guys, if you're a subscriber to The Athletic, you, you already heard this. If not, uh, you should subscribe. Uh, 50% off right now. Go check out my story on Cade Cunningham inside um, his training before the draft and becoming the face of the Pistons. I talked to his brother, um, Cannon, his cousin Ashton, both of who, both of whom trained him, and have trained him in the off season his whole life. Talk to them about everything that they did and wanted to tackle in preparation for, um, obviously the biggest summer of of Kate's career and and preparing him to be the number one pick. So if you're not subscribed, I, I recommend you subscribe through that story. Go check it out. It's on my Twitter feed. Uh, just Google inside uh, training Kate Cunningham and you'll find it at the Athletic. Um, but a couple things. I was really, really impressed against the Spurs with how um, the second unit looked. They look like they've played together before. It's quite obvious that there's a little bit more veteran leadership and just um, years of professionalism in that group. I thought Corey Joseph, as he was last year after the trade, was was as solid as can be. Kelly Olenek showed why they traded for him and, and kind of shifted things around in the front court. Uh, hit some threes, put the ball on the floor, made some nice plays. 
I thought Josh Jackson's passing was 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 great, almost exceptional. I thought he made the extra pass far more than he didn't. Um, at the end of the game, th- there was a couple times where he put up some tough shots, but they were up big, and um, I think that was just more of a momentum thing and just having fun. But kind of when the game was tight and in the flow of the game, he, he made the extra pass every time. And it was interesting, Dwayne said on Sunday after practice that Dwayne's decision-making is – or I'm sorry, Josh's decision-making has been leader of the pack. And I've always thought if Josh slowed down a little bit, there was a good player in there. Um, We know he can score. We know how athletic he is. But he's a pretty good passer, too, when he wants to be. Just at times last season, he didn't always want to be. And that leads to a lot of the inefficiencies we see with him. I think if he continues to show what he's done in preseason, he did it at the – open practice which we'll get to in a little bit on Saturday he made the extra pass made the extra two passes he's looked really sharp and that wing rotation is going to be interesting because I thought Hamidou Diallo was solid in the Spurs game didn't put up big numbers um, but defended well hit the rim doing what Hami does and Frank was injured at that point um, going in and after the during and after the Spurs game so Dwayne talked about how it's unfortunate Frank was injured, but it, it was an opportunity for for Josh and, and Hami to, to grab the reins and, and solidify themselves in that bench unit. Um, what else did I take away? I thought Jeremy Grant was super efficient in his offense against the Spurs. Didn't force anything. Let the game come to him. Um, Sadiq was kind of the one more initiating and being the aggressor on the offensive end, and Jeremy kind of sat back when the ball got to him. He either got to a spot to get a three or uh, he got to a spot sizing his man up and, and getting to where he likes to get in the in the middle of the floor and around the rim. I thought his, his offensive game was great. Uh, I think he had 19 points on 6 of 10 shooting or something like that. Just very efficient, and I think that's going to be his role going forward. I, I don't know if his shot attempts are going to be more or as many as they were a year ago. Um, that's something I'm very curious to see. I actually asked Dwayne on practice at practice on Sunday if he thinks Jeremy's going to have to adjust his role simply because it's obvious Sadiq is going to try to score 20 a night. Um, whether or not that happens, we'll see. But, I mean, you look, look at Summer League, very aggressive, putting the ball on the floor and trying to get to the rim, working in his mid-range. He's, he's trying to be more than just a three-point shooter. Uh, you saw that in the preseason game. More, I mean, it was essentially a guy. I think he shot eight more twos than he did threes, which he rarely did as a rookie. Um, same in the open practice. He was just very aggressive, probably shot the most shots out of anybody. So uh, maybe that irons itself out when Cade gets in the starting lineup and gets back healthy, which we'll talk about later. And the season starts, and maybe Jeremy just takes a little bit more control. But with Cade there, another ball handler, Um, to take some touches away from Jeremy and Sadiq looking to be more assertive. I think Jeremy's shots are going to go down, but I think that's a good thing for him because he is an efficient scorer um, when when he's not forced to be the the focal point of an offense and create and pull up and spot up. When he's not asked to do everything, I think he has real potential to really – take it another step, take it another level, just because I think the efficiency is there, won't have his tired legs. Um, guys will have to focus defenses will have to focus on on guys like a Cade um, like a Sadiq maybe Isaiah and Kelly minutes it's I think Jeremy I think this is going to be good for Jeremy Um, I'm interested to see 
how he reacts and approaches what could be a little bit of a, an adjustment. And when I asked Dwayne that, he said he doesn't think Jeremy's going to have to adjust too much. He thinks the ball will be in his hands at the end of possessions and those shot clocks. Um, he also just thinks he's naturally a, an adaptive person. He can, as you saw in Denver, he can be the quote-unquote third wheel. I don't think that's going to be the case here in Detroit, obviously. I think he's still the best offensive player on this team and quite possibly the best defensive player as well. Um, but I do think it's going to be a little bit more challenging for him to uh, force his will, I guess, just simply because of what I said earlier, Cade being around and having the ball in his hands, Killian, another obviously point guard who's going to have the ball in his hands, and then Sadiq trying to evolve his game. So, yeah, I'm curious to see. Uh, Dwayne doesn't think it'll be much of an adjustment. Um, and and I I think there w- I, I agree with him, but I do think Jeremy. It's I'm I'm interested to see how Jeremy adjusts to not having the ball in his hands as much and not being asked to do as much, uh, because he worked so hard and I mean really emphasized being a being the guy. And at times when you're playing for a bad team, that the cause for um, some of the shots and and having the ball so much is because sim- simply because the team needs you to do so. So I, I still don't think it's going to, they're going to be a, a playoff team this year. I don't think they're going to be a, a bad team, but um, I do think there's enough there where Jeremy can kind of find a good middle ground. Um, it's kind of hovering in between what he did in Denver and what he did last year in Detroit. And I think that's the perfect spot for him. Um, I didn't even say the score. The Pistons beat the Spurs, I think by 15. The defense was good to start, forced the Spurs into a lot of mid-range shots. They missed a lot, and then the Spurs got hot, uh, making it a tight game, hitting a lot of threes, shooting a lot of threes. I think they took a lead for a little bit. Um, but, yeah, the, the the story was the bench, and I'm sure some of you listening to this were at the open practice on Saturday. Uh, the bench dominated the starters. I guess it was technically blue versus white, uh, but if you looked at the lineups, it was – it was pretty much bench versus starters, and they they swapped a little bit toward the end. But uh, the big lead was was it was it was a big lead almost from the get go, and you can just tell that the spacing in the second unit is well. Let me back up. the The spacing is obviously more established and going to be a a serious strength of of that team um, and that group. But it also just kind of showed how far the first group is um, and them being young. I think the second group, as as they showed against the Spurs, they're, it's a veteran group. That's what Casey wanted. They're smart. A lot of those guys have played together. Kelly, Corey, and Trey have played together for the Canadian national team. Josh and Hami have played minutes together. Um, they fit in around those three. So it, it's a group that is well put together. Um, even though there's it lacks star power, it is well put together, and you can just tell that they're comfortable playing with each other already. They spaced the the, the starting group to death. They were scrambling everywhere trying to get out to three point shooters. Um, it was very, and I tweeted this. This was it was very much when the big brother goes into little brother's room and punches him in the chest for no reason just because he's big brother. That's what that's essentially what the scrimmage was on Saturday. And and the starters they have a lot of things to iron out. I mean. Like I said, I think there's going to be an adjustment. If Sadiq is going to continue to be that aggressive as a scorer, I think there's going to be an adjustment for for Jeremy. Um, 
and I don't think it's going to be a good or bad adjustment. It's just going to be some type of adjustment for both of them um, and something I'm curious and interested to watch going forward. Cade's not in the starting lineup. He's still injured. So I think he helps just simply because he's a he can be a table setter. He's another floor spacer. Um, it's going to take a little bit for him simply because, I mean, he's a rookie. Um, he hasn't had a really a, any training camp at all, so it's going to be an adjustment for him. But I think once he gets settled – uh, maybe a few weeks into the season, that starting group will start to look a little bit better, a little bit more cohesive. Um, in turn, might as well talk about Cade now. He has not really participated much in training camp on the floor um, with the team. If you're not, if you've been living under a rock, he sprained his ankle, turned his ankle. Um, and Casey said there's still fluid on there. It sounds like he certainly won't play in Memphis. Um, my guess is he won't play in New York either, and maybe Philly, but I would be surprised just because it sounds like they want to get a couple practices under his belt before they put him into a game. So, yeah, he hasn't practiced yet, so Memphis is off the table, and then there's a practice day, and then I, th- then New York, so I almost would say the, the Knicks are off the table. Then there's a practice day, and then Philly, so... I mean, maybe he practices Tuesday before New York doesn't play, goes through shoot-around in New York. That counts as a practice. And then practices on Thursday and plays Friday. That's possible. I would say for sure Memphis and New York are off the table, though. Um, I don't, I'm not reporting that. I'm not, I'm not making that a, a declarative statement. It's just going off what it feels like the team wants to do. They want to get a couple practices under his belt before just throwing him out there, which obviously is smart. You can't, you don't just want to throw a guy like that into the wolves. And since he hasn't practiced yet and there's a game on Monday, I imagine um, he doesn't, I, I mean, yeah, he's not, I know he's not going to play in Memphis and I would be surprised if he played in New York, but I guess you never know. And Philly's the one that's still a question. Um, and then Philly's the last preseason game and there's a couple days, I think four or five before the regular season starts. So if he's feeling better, there's time in there to, to get some practices in and, and have him full go once the regular season starts. Um, Frank Jackson was a star of the open practice. I mean, he came back from the ankle injury. I think that he had practiced the day before the open scrimmage, so he practiced for the first time Friday. I think he missed like four or five, three or four days with the ankle. Um, practiced on Friday and then – played in the open scrimmage on Saturday, and then also practiced on Sunday. I mean, he shot the lights out in the open practice. He even got to the rim. Um, People forget that Frank measured out as one of the more athletic guards coming into the draft when he was a rookie. And you saw a little bit of that, that, that quick first step, that spring in the open practice. Again, some guys were only going 70%. Some guys were going 100%. I'm not making a a definitive statement off of a open scrimmage. Um, but Frank definitely looked like he had a little pep in his step. He looked quick. He he looked explosive. And I, I think it's going to be hard to keep Frank out of the rotation. I know it really sounds like it's going to be just based on what Casey has said, three guys fighting for two spots. And you can rationalize a, a a spot in the rotation for all of them. Um, Hamadou Diallo makes double, makes $10 million a year. He makes the most out of those three, and they just brought him back. Um, and he has some upside. 
Josh Jackson is probably the best of the three. Um, and he's also, just in terms of consistency and what I've seen, probably had the best camp so far of the three. Um, and then there's Frank Jackson, who obviously Dwayne Casey loves um, offensively and defensively, uh, provides spacing. That could be another uh, lethal weapon just if he continues to shoot how he did last year with that second group. And from what we saw in the open practice, like he's ready to go and maybe looks even better than he did last year. But it sounds like only two of them can play regularly. And I, I think there's going to be a role for the third one, the odd man out, like if one of the other two is struggling or goes cold or X, Y, and Z, then Casey will flop the other one in for someone else and they'll keep it moving. But he wants to keep a 10-man rotation so we can count on Killian, Cade, Sadiq, uh, Jeremy Isaiah, that's five. We can count on Corey Joseph, Kelly Olynyk, that's seven. Um, I almost think we can pencil in Trey Lyles, who's had from this, the brief and kind of minimal stuff that the media has been able to see throughout training camp has been pretty solid. Um, so then, it, yeah, it comes down to Josh, Hami, and Frank, and they all have cases, man. It's it's going to be interesting to see what Casey decides. Um, right now, my hunch is Josh and Frank. But, like I said, they brought Hamadou back, making more money than those guys. Um, I think he's the youngest of the group. He's low maintenance. Um, it's going to be interesting. I, I'm really fascinated, and I wrote about it, obviously, before camp, that that position battle would be the most intriguing and it's only intensified as camp has played out because all three have been solid from the stuff I've seen and from what Dwayne has said and yeah there's gonna have to be a decision made sometime soon so I think we've covered everything all the um all the housekeeping stuff I don't think I'm missing anything went over the preseason game went over the open practice talked about Cade's injury um play in Memphis today as you're listening to this plug the Cade story at the athletic I think that's everything um, I got some questions on Twitter that I'll answer really quick before I take off um, it's going to be a short pod again not much to talk about and I'm without my guy so we'll uh we just wanted to, I wanted to make sure that we were consistent in getting our getting our pod out as we told you every Monday now that the season has started um, this one's going to be a little bit shorter but I think it covers everything you need, and I know you guys don't want to sit here and listen to my voice for 45 minutes. So first question from Piston of the Day on Twitter. I am seeing a lot of a concern from the fan base regarding Kate's health. Can you provide any clarity of where things stand right now and why the timeline Casey originally outlined is not aligning with reality? Um, yeah, I talked about it already. I'm trying to think that I miss anything. Um, I've You've seen I've tweeted videos. He's out shooting. He's out doing light stuff. Like, it's not like he can't walk on it. It's not like he can't jump on it. Um, but he's not in the position to play five-on-five -five basketball right now from all accounts. And Casey never really gave a timeline. He just said it's not anything too concerning, which I don't think it is anything concerning. I know people are really eager to see Cade. I know they're really excited. But, I mean, the Pistons have a lot invested in him. It's not like there's a need to rush him out there for the preseason. Uh, you want him out there for the regular season when games matter. I think they're just being extra cautious. Um, 
I do think, yeah, he's in a position where he can't really play five on five right now. And because of that, they're just going to take their time. And when he feels better, he's going to get some practices under his belt. And then as soon as he gets maybe three or four under his belt, he'll, he'll play. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't think Casey ever really outlined a timeline. I, I think he just emphasized that it wasn't serious. It wasn't too concerning. And I, I from what I'm hearing, I don't think that's the case. It's just a guy who has a, a ankle sprain and, they don't want to rush back. So I uh, hope that helped and, and brought some clarity to that. Next question. Do you believe the rebounding will be an issue again this season? I do a little bit. Um, I think Isaiah is going to get pulled out a lot towards a perimeter, which is going to, if the Pistons are going to be a better rebounding team, they're going to need their their guards to rebound. Sadiq is a good rebounder at the three. Jeremy can rebound. Uh, Killian has the size to rebound. Cade, I think, can rebound as well. So it's just a matter of recognizing um, that everybody needs to, to crash the glass. And I think if they can get that mindset, I think they'll be okay. But I do think it's going to be a little difficult just because Isaiah is undersized. Um, he's not the greatest athlete, um, and, and he's going to be in, in awkward positions, especially going against more stretch fives where he's going to be pulled out. So if Casey can tap into them and make them understand it's going to need a group effort uh, to rebound, I think they'll be okay because they do, like I said, have some, some, some perimeter players who can rebound. Um, specifically Sadiq, who I, I want to say averaged five a game last year, or close to it, or had a lot of games where he had five to five to eight. Um, Killian can rebound, like I said. The bench, I think, is going to struggle a little bit too. Kelly and, and Trey aren't the greatest rebounders. Um, offensively, there's probably not going to be too many offensive rebounds unless Hami and Josh crash the boards. Um, yeah, I think rebounding is not going to be – a strong suit of the team, but I don't think it's going to absolutely demoralize them either. I, I could see them being bottom 10 in rebounding, um, bottom half in rebounding, but I don't think it's – how do I say it? It's, it's going to be something that's going to be an, a concern of Casey's. He's already talked about it, but I, I don't think it's going to be like league worst or anything like that. Maybe I'll be wrong, but uh, time will tell. Memorable moments from the open practice – uh, from RJ underscore Hunt 36. I would say, Frank, just how efficient and confident and almost dominant he looked. Um, Sadiq being aggressive at all times. Every time we've seen Sadiq since the end of the regular season, he's been aggressive and trying to score the ball. Um, what else? Kelly's looks, I mean, Kelly looks good. I think Trey, like Trey Lyles, has a role on this team. Um, I know a lot of that's going to pain a lot of you to hear that, but he's looked okay in in the moments that we've seen as the media. Um, Corey Joseph solid. Killian looked more aggressive. Um, the shot, obviously, still a work in progress. It's going to be for a, another few years. Like that's just how shooting goes. Um, but I, I think he looked a little bit more assertive in that in that open practice. I think he got to a few mid-range step backs, got all the way to the hole a few times. Some bad turnovers, trying to throw some cross-court skip passes in the air. That got picked off. Uh, but, yeah, I think I, – I don't think there's anything that would make you be even more concerned with him that, from what I've seen. Um, What are you going to do from Hal? What are you going to do with three minutes of, of – pod that you're not spending shaking your head at Nicholas Hankel I'm shaking my head at myself hell because I 
this is the weirdest thing ever sitting in the office and talking to myself and trying to sound coherent and interesting for 20, 25 minutes. This is very hard. Um, this is, this is one of the hardest things I've done. Pause. Why are the real jerseys so amazing? I'm a, from, from we Troit Wistons. I'm assuming, I'm assuming it means the teal jerseys. Um, if he means teal jerseys, it's just because they're unique and the logos fire. Um, I'm being a nineties kid born in 92, all the basketball jerseys of the nineties are, I mean, they're amongst my favorite in sports. I mean, the Hornets jerseys, the Phoenix jerseys, um, the Rockets jerseys, the Milwaukee Bucks jerseys, like I can go on and on and the Pistons teal. I mean, it's a unique color. Um, the logo for me though, is just fire and it looks good on that teal. So I, I think that's why. From Exodus, any chance killing gets any G League time? Barring an injury? No, no way. I don't think so. I think um, he's the starting point guard. It would be very uh, tough to have your starting point guard going back and forth from the G League. Uh, maybe if he gets an injury, and I'm sure Pistons fans are knocking on wood, uh, he'll rehab there or something like that. But it is um, there. I, I find it there's no chance he would go to the G League. Um, from Vignac, how would you describe the competition between you, Rod, and Omari, and amongst NBA reporters in general? Has there been any moment where you faced intense completion of her particular story? Good question. Um, I'm friends with all with both of them, Rod and Omari. We're, we're friends, but obviously we're competitors. We work for competing outlets. Oh, Vignac has the Bun and Cardigan show hoodie on his Abby. Shout out to you, Vignac. That's, that's support. That's love. Um, sorry. How would you describe... So, yeah, there is a competition. Like, maybe they're not as competitive with, I don't know, you'd have to ask them. I'm naturally competitive. So, like, if there's a story I I see or hear or X, Y, and Z, like, I want to be the one that gets it out there. Um, I want everybody to, just like I'm sure they do, if there's if you want to read about Pistons, they want you to come to the – there are news outlets just like I want you to come to mine and be the authoritative one on the beat. Like that's just natural competition. That's what we get paid to do. Um, so, I mean, yeah, that's there. Like if uh, my goal is if there's a million Pistons fans, I want all of them to only read the athletic. That's just natural competition. I know that's not the case. Uh, everybody, there's a, there's room for all of us to, to move and operate. And um, I think there's a good balance with the Pistons beat because of just kind of how we approach our jobs. Like if you're into, if you need to know the day-to-day -day stuff and you like reading the day-to-day -day stories, Rod and Omari write a story every day and they have that covered for you. If you want something a little more behind the scenes or maybe something that you weren't as familiar with, then that's kind of where I come into play. And they sprinkle those in too. They obviously don't have the, uh, I have less restraints when it comes to that than they do. So I can do that a little bit more. Just because they, like I said, they have to write something every day from availabilities and stuff. I don't have to do that. Um, so there certainly is um, a little bit more freedom I have. But, yeah, I mean, we're all friends. Um, we try to, I mean, we talk away from work. Um, me and Omari went to college together. Me and Rod, I hang out with Rod a lot. Um, those are they're two good people, two good reporters. And so, yeah, I mean, first and foremost, we're friends. Um, and secondly, the, I mean, from my end, yeah, it, there is competition just because that's just kind of how I'm wired. And uh, I, 
I try to be the best at everything I do, not just not just work. Good question. Um, from Rob from Rob Hendricks at Dobbs underscore. What were your three favorite takeaways from the scrimmage? Um, I think I tweeted it out. Sadiq's assertiveness isn't going away. Frank Jackson should already be in Springfield, Massachusetts, in the Hall of Fame. And the starting unit has a lot of stuff to iron out, but I think a healthy Cade could could help smooth some of that. Uh, from Motor City Hoops, I'm bald, no bun, but do you do you need a fill-in co-host? I'm free. To, oh, okay. Sorry, Motor City Hoops. I just saw this as I was recording. Um, I definitely probably should have got a fill-in co-host, but it was so late. Um, I just didn't want to bother anybody. Uh, what was your perspective on the open scrimmage from Saturday? I, I covered that. Hopefully you got enough. Um, hopefully I answered that for you already. How many minutes do you think Frank will be seeing off the bench to start the season? If he's in the rotation, I think Frank pay, plays 18 to 23, 18 to 24, something like that. Um, from Jordan Dorsch, if hypothetically you couldn't cover basketball, basketball anymore, what other sport would you most like to cover or non-sports journalism would you most like to cover? Uh, if you choose sport, please give the team, and if not sports, give a place or organization. Thank you. Good question, Jordan. Um, as most of you know, I am a massive soccer fan. Um, however, um, however, I don't know if I would want to cover soccer just simply because in this in this profession, when something becomes your life, it's hard to enjoy it in your free time. Um, and soccer is one of the few things in life right now from a, like a, a kill time entertainment perspective that I like get to enjoy as a fan. Um, and I don't know if I would want that to go away. Uh, maybe if somebody offered me a job to cover a premier league team that, that changes, or if I I shift over at the athletic to go co to move to London and and cover football out there, um, that would be maybe it's something I would consider. But right now, I love the sport so much. I love watching it. I love being a fan. That I don't know if I want to ruin potentially ruin that experience. Like for example, I love basketball. It's my first love. Um, it always has been. But I would say at this point in my life, like soccer and basketball are tied, and it's simply because basketball isn't just something I love to to watch and talk about and and write about anymore it's it literally my world revives revolves around the sport so like prior to me covering the NBA I was watching two games a night I played NBA 2k um, I was a absolute basketball junkie now if the Pistons aren't playing um, say they play Pistons play three games in a week obviously I'm at all three of those games home or road um, but on the off days I'm I'll probably only catch two or three games. Um, I don't I don't consume it like I used to just because it's very rare to have kind of free time to hang out with the girlfriend, to do other things I like to do um, in this job because, like I said, even if there's no game, we're at practice, we're at the facility. Maybe if there's neither one of those, we're traveling to the next city. Um, so it's taken a little bit of the – this job has just taken a little bit of the, the natural fan out of me. I'm still a fan. Like I love basketball with all my heart and I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to do anything else, but um, there's certainly a, uh, I'm, I'm not as, 
invested in the sport as I was prior to this job. And it stinks. Yeah. And I don't know if I want to do that with, with soccer because, uh, that's really the only other sport that I, I mean, I follow football heavily. Um, but like, I love soccer and I love basketball and, um, and maybe if I wouldn't covered soccer, my passion and my investment in, in everything NBA would come back because I'm not around it as much, but I wouldn't want to, to, to risk that with, with soccer. Um, uh, what other sport would you most like to cover? So I would oh, so I would pick football, American football, because there's one game a week, and you can have a little bit of a life with that. Their their football reporting schedule is pretty easy. You travel eight times a year, one game a week. Um, yeah, and I'm not. I I used to be a massive NFL fan. Over the years, that's died down a little bit. I still follow very heavily and very closely, just because I'm a sports nerd. Um, but I'm not as invested, so it would be pretty easy to to do that job. And non-sports journalism, would you most like to cover? Um, I wouldn't be doing journalism if it wasn't sports personally. Um, If I wasn't doing this, I would probably be trying to be a professor and teach a a, creative journalism course somewhere um, or being a teacher somewhere. I've always – that was kind of always something I was interested in. Uh, Good question, Jordan. From Jeff Koenig, uh, they're saying Kay Zakel isn't serious. Any reason why he won't play for the home opener? Uh, yeah, like I had, like I um, outlined earlier in the pod, uh, they want to get a couple, a couple practices under his belt before he plays. So um, if it doesn't heal and he's not able to practice, he won't play. Uh, but I mean, there's so much time between. I mean, there's what ten days, twelve days, thirteen days, something like that before, between now and the first game. That if he's good to go. Um, he will be if he if he's good to practice for a couple of days in a row he'll he'll play from from what we've heard and what we've gathered so that is it on the questions that is it on the pod I don't have I forget what how Nick ends it I just know that he says please go rate subscribe review if you haven't already um I always say thank you for loving thank you for whatever thank you for being you and yeah, I appreciate you guys hanging in there for 34 minutes of James's annoying voice. And I'm sure you guys, um, there's no way you guys already turned it off. Psych, you probably turned it off 10 minutes in. But I hope this was at least bearable to get through, bearable to listen. I hope you got some insight on some stuff you had questions about. And we will be back next Monday prior to the home opener. We'll have three preseason games to talk about. Um possibly possibly a return of Cade and it'll be right right before the home opener so Nick should be back next week we'll have uh, a normal show as as always and again thank you have a great rest of your week have a great start to your week make sure you check out the athletic if you're not yet subscribed there's a 50 percent off code Uh, and go check out my story on Cade Cunningham and the training that went into um, being the face of the Pistons um, at the athletic and you can check my Twitter for that so appreciate you guys We'll talk later. Um, Peace.